0: Hello, everybody. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by all the amazing people who donate to the show using our Patreon page. Thank you very much to these people. And if you would like to be one of these awesome individuals, visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash style. That's frog, the letter E, underscore style. You can donate as little as $1 per month or as much as $50 per month. If you do donate the minimum amount, which is $1 per month, which is only $12 per year, which isn't that much in the grand scheme of things, you do gain access to a bunch of bonus audio content. That includes the Tales from the Tabletop live sessions, which is... Uh, recordings of me and my friends playing D&D. There's also the Big Think bonus series and you also gain early access to a bunch of different interviews. For example I just posted a conversation that I had with members from the band Gone Cosmic And a conversation that I had with members from the band Long Time No Time has been posted there for about a week. So if that sounds like something you would be interested in, consider donating to the show. Like I said, it's only $1 per month and you get access to a bunch of cool audio content. You can donate more if you want. Um, It's much appreciated if you do. And you do get better rewards the more you donate. So please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash style. I'll put the links in the episode notes so you can find it that way. And again, thank you to all the people who do donate on a monthly basis. It means a lot, and we are completely funded by you guys. If you are fans of the show, consider signing up for our email list. The email list will keep you up to date with all of the podcasts and anything else that we have going on. It also automatically enters your name into any draws that we do for prize packs and stuff like that. Um, The prize packs usually include t-shirts, CDs, hats, posters, merch from various bands that I do interview. Um, If you would like to sign up for the email list, visit fsproductions.ca. It's going to be the very first thing you see when you do visit the website, fsproductions.ca. You just enter in your email, hit sign up. It takes less than a minute, and you are signed up for the email list and also entered into many draws for many cool prize packs. While you're at fsproductions.ca, um, consider checking out the website. All of the podcasts get posted to the website. So, Groove Talk and This Is Your Brain on Podcasts. All of them are located at fsproductions.ca. There's also articles, short stories, podcast recommendations, lots of cool stuff like that. There's lots of content. Um, so, I highly recommend that you do check it out fsproductions.ca. On this episode of Groove Talk, I am joined by Randall and Juan. Randall and Juan play in the band Heavy Dive. But before we get into that, I'd like to mention another band. Uh, Port Juvie will also be playing at the Big Winter Classic 2019. I got the chance to speak with Brett, who is in the band Port Juvie, and we had a really nice conversation. It was about 45 minutes long over the phone. And unfortunately, that conversation was lost. And I am super regretful of that. Um, if anybody is looking for an app to record conversations on, I definitely do not Recommend tape a call. So, anyways, I would like to give a shout out to Port Juvie and Brett and thank you again very much for talking with me. Uh, I hope we can reschedule that. They are playing Beetroot's annual holiday party at the Palomino on December 22nd, and we did talk about that a little bit in the phone conversation that was lost. So I just wanted to make people aware of that. And if you're not doing anything on December 22nd in Calgary, check out Port Juvie at the Palomino for Beetroot's annual holiday party. Anyways, back to Heavy Dive. Uh, Like I said, I spoke with Randall and Juan, who play in the band. Heavy Dive will also be playing Big Winter Classic 2019, so obviously we talked about that. We also talk about the band's most memorable gigs, um, stories from on the road, on tour. The band shares some interesting stories with us. Uh, Some are very surprising and some are very hilarious. It was really fun getting the chance to talk to both Randall and Juan, and I hope that you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. You can listen to the song Wax Dreams, which is off the EP War in the Dark, at the end of the episode. I will have all the links of where you can purchase War in the Dark in the episode notes, also where you can find Heavy Dive on social media, That'll all be in the episode notes. I hope you enjoy this conversation that I had with Randall and Juan of Heavy Dive. Thanks for listening.
1: This is Groove Talk with Froggy Style.
0: Welcome to another episode of Groove Talk, everybody. On this week's episode, I am joined by Randall and Juan, and they are part of the band Heavy Dive.
2: Thanks. Thanks for having us.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Um, So I guess just to start, could you guys give us a little bit of background information on Heavy Dive?
3: Uh, I think Randy can do a good job of explaining this one, (laughs) since this is written in every bio. (laughs)
2: Um. So Heavy Dive is a project that Juan and I have been working on for probably the past, I don't know, two years? Two years, yeah. Um, Though Juan and I, we've uh, worked in other kind of garage band-like projects with each other before, and at some point, we just kind of formed the band with his brother, Santiago, and said, hey, let's have a shoegaze band and just kind of shoot in that direction.
3: Well, there was maybe two other bands with the same... People except we didn't have a direction, so we're going from like <laughs> surf music to garage music, and we're just like, okay, we guys we need to do something because like one day we're working on this prog odyssey, and then we're working on this song that we'd hear the Eagles of Death Metal playing essentially. So we needed to like find a focus and get on with it and try to make the best music we could, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> totally, to our bellies
2: Yeah, and it was like, okay, well, what do we focus on? I was like, well, Juan has a shit ton of pedals. It's <laughs> <laughs> like okay let's uh no that's, that's not what we're saying But
3: and the other thing is, is we're all very different people like even though we're only three people you think oh three people it's easy to find a common ground but I guess we've all had different musical journeys so shoegaze was one of those things where we all had some common ground and then we and but the other thing I, I told the guys let's do shoegaze but be able to take stuff from different genres that are related to it, shoegaze like post-punk or psychedelia not directly say hey we're gonna do shoegaze and what we're gonna spit out it's the same thing that maybe my bloody valentine has done in the past because <laughs> that's probably the only be- yeah. shoegaze band most people think about first thing yeah. yeah or slow dive or slow
2: dive yeah yeah that's <laughs> yeah. or cockatoo twins yeah it's <laughs> <laughs> so like some of the some of the pinnacle ones but yeah um we all come from like really just different um backgrounds with regards to musical inspiration. Like we all listen to really different music and that's kind of made it really fun trying to make, like make shoegaze music, even though we listen to completely different artists.
0: Cool. Do you guys ever find it challenging at all working together? Like because heck, you come from such different backgrounds. We're
3: all very different, not just different tastes. We have, we're very different individuals mm-hmm. Me and Rainey are very different people, but we're also, our common ground is that we're both alphas in the sense where we want to have control over everything, so that's what makes it really difficult. I think maybe the first three to six months of us working together was a lot of trying to figure out how to balance each other out and not step on each other's toes, but at the same time be able to challenge each other without starting an argument.
2: I, I remember in particular when we first started making music together, I didn't, so I'm the bass player, and I didn't play bass, I played guitar and I didn't want to play bass, And we were constantly fighting. We were, like, constantly just butting heads, and we couldn't get anywhere. And eventually, at some point, I just said, okay, we need a bass player. So I picked up the base and taught myself. And we just had to sit down and have a hard time and be like, you know, we're, like, we're pretty different people. But we realized that we have the similar thing in each other where we just fight all the time <laughs> because <laughs> we want to control it. We both have these visions, um, and we're willing to fight over them. Yeah. And then ever since then we've been just really tight. I mean, it's still challenging without a doubt. Like writing music's challenging with people, but, you know,
3: Hope we're getting better.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and it's always now it's it's just a lot of fun. Even if we have differences, we've learned how to communicate, and I feel like that's the hardest part when it comes to music. Yeah. A lot of people have a hard time being able to communicate with each other and say I like that, but I don't like this and just be open to collaboration but yet concise and constructive
0: yeah very true and i think uh a lot of people get uh married to their ideas you know what i mean yeah totally so if you're saying that hey i don't like this thing that you know i don't like your idea here you're almost saying at least in their mind like like you're wrong you know what i mean like (laughs) so
2: it's it's true people can take criticism really really uh you know to heart
3: I completely agree with that. I've had my moments. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially when you're, like, working on a riff for the longest time, you think it's the greatest, latest thing. But it almost, it needs, it takes maybe a person to tell you that, and then you kind of step back and be like, yeah, this does not work in the context that we were going for.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so I guess, what is the so- songwriting process like in the band? Like, how do you, how do songs, how do heavy dive songs get created? Uh,
3: I essentially usually hang out at home and then like record maybe have like maybe one or two, two two riffs that kind of tie in together. A lot of times, most of the time it ends up being like a chorus and a verse, and then we just jam it out. And a lot of times, those parts don't even get an, end up getting used, but they enabled us to jam that stuff out and create new things. Really, what happens? And then after that, we just end up with a big piece of music, and then it's hey Randy, try to get some lyrics into it and some of the works and then some is me me and santiago which is the, who's the drummer in the band he's also my brother end up having
2: to help randy we all not even help him we collaborate together and write yeah the lyrics together usually what will happen is like once we have the instrumentation down and that a lot of that comes from just yeah jamming it out improvising and um just seeing kind of where we're what we're feeling we'll talk about oh this makes me feel this way what if we could try and come up with a part that does this and we'll discuss it improvise, try and implement ideas and then start going into structure once we actually feel like we have more cohesive things, cohesive parts. And then yeah, that's usually when I'm like, okay, time to hit the drawing board and try and write lyrics. And that's one of the hardest parts yeah. for sure. And when I get stuck, and it happens for every song, there's usually a part that I get stuck with. I'll like go to Juan and Santee and say, hey, um, I'm trying to go for this. This is what I think the song's about. Um, really need your help here. And we'll, yeah, we'll um, continuously just write it together and listen to it and, and think about, okay, what about this phrase? What about this? What about uh, this rhythmic pattern and stuff like that?
3: Okay, cool. Yeah.
0: Um, so did you guys know each other
3: before the band or? Uh, we kind of knew each other. Like we had mutual friends in high school. We went to the same high school. But we didn't even talk to each other maybe like – actually like properly talk to each other and talk about music maybe after like three years of both of us being out of high school
2: yeah like i i knew of one i knew he was the guy with the guitar back in high school but that's it i didn't even consider making music back then so we were pretty separate until yeah maybe three years after
3: most likely yeah yeah even then
2: it was touch and go yeah totally
0: so I guess uh, I guess what started off your guys' musical journeys then? Like what made you
3: decide to start bands or play in bands? Well, I had another group with a mutual friend of ours. And this is, again, going off how Heavy Dive started. And it's kind of how we got Randy into the saddle of music. I can, we kind of just invited Randy to come in and hey, you want to hear our stuff? And then then
2: we asked him hey do you want to play with us and then that's kind of how it started really yeah and for me like when it comes to musical journey i mean i uh i was a really late bloomer with making music like i started learning how to play guitar when i was 20 so i uh but i just kind of you know i was in university and studying and like i really fell in love with playing guitar and it was a really good source of like therapy almost you know how you just get so stressed and you just need to kind of on like unload that and yeah. it was really good for that and i realized pretty quickly even though i really sucked uh i realized really quickly that i wanted to be in a band and uh even when i was at the one year mark i remember thinking to myself again i knew of one he was in a band with my mutual friend and i was like oh i'd really love to be in that band and then yeah a couple of years later they contact me to give them some feedback and next thing you know i joined their project and then years of playing and learning and working together then heavy dive forms Cool, yeah.
0: Um, so I guess I I know you said you got you guys have like different music. So what are your music tastes? What what do you draw influence on to kind of create heavy dive music?
2: Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if
3: we're gonna go with like that alternative side, well, for me, like some of the bands I listen to the most that I'm trying to kind of get in the mood because I don't per- partic- uh, particularly listen to shoegaze music like oh I'm in a shoegaze band oh, I'll listen to this shoegaze because I found it when you start doing that you kind of like fall in, this, fall in this circle you just keep following and chasing the tail of like whatever artist you're trying to emulate right so yeah. um, I listen to Biggest is A Place to bury Strangers they're a little bit looser moral of a lo-fi
2: thing yep. very different from what we're doing what, what we are doing yeah we but definitely that's... take inspiration from them yeah um I would say we've taken inspiration from savages yep um
3: another one would be which is a weird one is the killers like vocally uh one of the things with early things we learned about about the vocal part in the band is Randy's vocals are very different from. A lot of the other people's vocals he's vocals are really clear and a lot of times when you're trying to play like harder edge music because it's really hard to like play with some and play with the vocals that are very clean almost anthemic and so we gravitate towards the killers just because brandon flowers has a very similar singing style
2: fairly similar and no. not to mention i love the killers no. like they're definitely an inspiration for me so yeah that was definitely kind of Focus for us, especially once we started recording, we started realizing, oh, uh you know, where can we take this? What are other what's something acceptable in recordings that other bands have done? And like, so we would look at them for inspiration and say, oh, you know, it's okay if vocals aren't perfect one hundred percent of the time. Yeah, Brandon Flowers isn't perfect one hundred percent. What's another artist uh, in that oh, more whoop. dreamy? Bloody Knives. Yeah. So when we were recording our um, our first EP. Uh, which we just recorded um, at the end of uh, February, 2018 at uh, public lunch studios. Uh, we were trying really hard to think about how we wanted to mix it. Um, it was hard enough choosing songs. Uh, so one artist that we took a ton of inspiration from was bloody knives because um, their record, do you remember the name of that record? Oh, that's going to drive me crazy. They <laughs> <laughs> have this one album. It's not their latest one, um, which is also really good. It's a, the one before that and it's so good and just everything with how it was composed how noisy it was how dark and edgy it was it had kind of a bit of that places bury strangers like edge to it yeah but it was really noisy so we took a lot of inspiration from them they're they're a fantastic artists. i don't i don't remember where they're based out of somewhere in the states but
3: yeah santi would know it. too bad he's not
0: here <laughs> <laughs> so um I guess for you, were you, what, when did you start singing, I guess? Was
2: it just in this band and they needed a singer? or Kind of. Yeah. I mean, like, prior to that, it was just singing in my car, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like we all do. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm amazing at singing. No, I'm not. Um, but, you know, when push came to shove, we were like, okay, well, we need a singer. And we we're thinking about looking for somebody. And uh, we're a three-piece band. We're a small project, and we have a very tight schedule, and we uh, we work really well together, so we've talked about having a fourth member, but the idea of bringing in a fourth member might be challenging because we've have a set schedule, yeah, you know, we've set the bar for how we want to work together, so we're kind of like, well, let's just see what happens when you know <laughs> when Squires takes over and <laughs> yeah, I think you know, yeah we, that's the biggest thing, yeah, because we we try to get together like
3: at least three times a week. Which oh wow, is pretty, pretty hectic yeah. at times. Yeah, and because a lot of the times are, we don't get anywhere, right? So we don't like putting the pressure
2: on one day out of the week. And yeah. yeah, well, like Juan and I, because we've been in these other projects together, we've literally been meeting three times a week, almost nonstop for four years now. Um, usually generally what three hour sessions, two three hour sessions. Yeah, and that's a lot of songs that have been thrown out. <laughs> yeah, and, and typically it resulted in yeah a lot of the songs being yeah. thrown out. Um so because of that routine, we were just like, okay, well let's see what happens um if I'm the singer. And I tried. And I tried like learning vocal exercises on the web and it's really tough. You know, like it's tough to figure out how to properly sing. You think it's an easy thing, but it's actually incredibly challenging to be able to figure out how to project properly and how to get the tone of your voice that you want. And it took me a long time and like I even um like while being in the project decided, okay, I'm gonna see a vocal coach. Yeah. Because like without prior experience, I don't it's hard to determine where, you know, those limits are. Like how do you it's it's really hard to teach yourself how, yeah. to, how to sing well.
0: <laughs> yeah, I could I could imagine. Yeah. I mean it's like, for guitar and, like, a lot of instruments and stuff, you can look at YouTube videos and stuff like that. And generally, you can at least see where their fingers are going. And mm-hmm. I feel like it would be different for the voice. Like, you can't... It's hard to explain how to properly project things and... Totally. Yeah. You
2: and can't it, see what's happening. Exactly. exactly right? Yeah, exactly. You can't see what's happening. But, like, also... um, where was I gonna go? I just lost my train of thought. I think, a it, well, <laughs> maybe to add to that, everybody's
3: built differently, so everybody's got limitations
2: that yeah. they don't even know how to overcome, right? Well, yeah. Oh, th- totally. And the weird part is, like, in your head while you're singing, you hear something totally different. So you hear your own head voice, yeah. So you're thinking, Oh, I like the sound of this, and then you hear a recording, and you're like, What the fuck happened? Yeah, <laughs> why, like. <laughs> Like that's
0: me editing every single one of these podcasts. Yeah, so you, you know exactly. You're like, <laughs> yeah. I don't sound like that. Yeah, I'm like yeah. man, I sound
2: stupid. Like
0: <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I, I think I sound so much cooler than I actually do. <laughs> so
2: I've been through that same thing where, like, you know, a friend would record a show, like especially our earlier ones, on their cell phone, and I'd hear something I'd sing or say, and I'm like, oh, like oh, that sounds so dumb. Yeah, or, oh, it sounds so terrible. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I guess we're all, we're our own worst critics, right? Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, most people who are good are their own worst critic for sure. <laughs> I
2: definitely think that there's I think that's something to aspire towards is if you're being easy on yourself, I feel like it would be hard for you to grow. Exactly. Like, I still feel like I have a ton of learning to do.
0: Mm-hmm. I feel like people, you see people who think they're the best and they're not like really going anywhere and they think things that should they think things should be easy and then if they're not easy, they give up on things a lot and I think it's important to I guess not get let your ego get out of hand (laughs) yeah
2: i totally agree like allow yourself to be humble you know it's okay to make mistakes you just try and learn from them Mm -hmm. and be open to the idea that you know like you're a person like everybody had to learn at some point nobody was born like singing amazing yeah or or playing guitar amazing like i feel like that's a really important part to maintain your sadness sanity, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. And also on the flip side, when you do do something good, take the time to pat yourself on the back, you know? <laughs> like
2: That's yeah, the hard part. I don't that's think we do that enough, yeah. <laughs> I try. I try to <laughs> I try to do that. But you, it's it's really tough. Yeah. Because you know, you get so overwhelmed with the, like the little details sometimes.
0: Yeah. So you guys said that you uh end up throwing away a lot of songs. So how do you decide what songs to keep and then how do you decide what songs to put on a recording?
2: Really, what it boils down to is, do we like it? You know, we'll make something and in the moment, we'll be like, oh, this is super cool. Oh, this part sounds great. Okay, we'll go into this. But then, you know, after, like, especially because we meet frequently, after you've played it quite a few times and you're starting to get something together, you ask yourself, does this make me feel anything? You know, I mean would somebody want to listen to this? Because you really fall in love with something that you make, right? And that can wear off. So if uh, if we're at a point after, you know, working on a song for, let's say, two weeks, three weeks, and we're saying, is this really doing it for us? Then that's one moment where we'd get rid of one.
3: Yeah. And then there's a the moment where we just save that and put it in the queue and just, we might use the verse out of a song we threw out and put it in something, something works. Yeah. I think the biggest thing with that is, we need we've learned how to stop ourselves from banging our heads on the wall too much we're just trying to work on it yeah. it's the same idea over and over and over we're not getting anywhere we need we've actually learned how to Kayla step off of it maybe get take let one take that idea and just play with it for a bit more
2: and, mm-hmm. then. and also be vocal about it like I feel like that's a hard thing to do where we say guys let's throw in the towel on this one just for now you know we yeah, have one do you want to mess around with this a bit more at home or let's focus on something else. And I feel like it's a really hard thing for a lot of people to do when they're making something. I like I know I've experienced it.
3: Mm-hmm. We're you... going we're going through it right now. We're <laughs> yeah, I think we've to... thrown out two songs because we've just decided to lay off on the on the pl- playing shows. We're trying to find gigs and just go back to songwriting because we've had a, we have a good amount of songs now. We recorded the EP and probably in the, in the next year or two we want to start looking forward to recording. Maybe a, another pure or, or a full length.
2: Yeah, it'll it'll be one of the two. Um and uh, it's interesting because after so you asked about um how do you choose songs that go on an album. And for us, like it was it was actually like when we boiled it down it was it made it a lot easier to choose. And I think what it really came down to was we decided we wanted to go to um a good studio that we liked, and there's a lot of great studios in the city. But, you know, uh, so we chose Public Lunch because we liked what uh, Pat was doing over there.
3: Well, we liked liked his room and his setup, too, as well. Yeah,
2: well, exactly. Like, he just has this nice, beautiful, big studio. Um, So we decided to record with him uh, for this first EP. And, uh, you know, it it costs money. And some bands uh, can get, you know, grant funding for that sort of thing, which is fantastic. And I'm glad we live in a country where that's available. Uh, Some bands don't. Um, in particular we didn't apply for grant funding because we weren't fully educated yet on the possibilities of that and uh, so we're paying up for this out of pocket and we really thought about it like okay well in theory you know we're going to be spending like five six seven hundred dollars on each song like is this song worth that amount of money to us you know is it at that point where we feel it's worth to invest that kind of money into it and of course um by performing shows and all that, that helped, of course, fund the EP, mm-hmm. um, and so and like things like selling T-shirts and stuff helps with that as well. Uh, but that that was kind of the make or break. It if you like, for us, if we said this song doesn't feel like it's worth the money yet, then it wasn't going to go on the record. It meant that maybe we should work on it a bit more.
3: Yeah, I got nothing to add except we also chose songs for this record that followed a trend where we want to start oh, of somewhere in a story mm-hmm. and then somewhere in a story yeah and that was also
2: a big part cool
3: yeah like the whole EP even does an EP which a lot of people see EPs as just like oh it's four songs we thought really hard of how we wanted to start it and tell us a, a very personal story Which each song that's why we've also added interludes between songs mm-hmm. and that also we worked pretty hard on the last couple and the last couple of days of recording just to try to get the right sound effects did and we also asked ourselves to do do these things make us feel something yeah
2: yeah yeah that was a big part of it because a lot of our songs follow on certain themes so we kind of said okay you know we were choosing out a pool of like let's say seven songs uh, I think it was six or seven mm-hmm. and we we're like all these fit within that theme. Um, So the hard part was choosing them, but at the same time choosing songs that we felt would really tell that story and uh, were complete. And there was one song in particular uh, that we weren't really sure about putting on. So before going into the studio, we worked it out a little bit more and we talked about it more. Um, And we were asking ourselves, does this fit with it? Is this worth the investment? And with the additional time, it definitely seemed to fit that kind of story arc as well.
0: Cool. I... I really appreciate bands that like um, pay attention to that kind of thing, like song selection on an album or an EP. And I feel like so much like in today's culture, in today's music culture, it's like a, it's like a single culture. You know what I mean? You hear the one song from somebody and that's the only song you know from that band ever. And whereas back in the day you had bands like Pink Floyd and just bands that took you on a journey throughout the album. And I think that's just like... I've always been an album guy, so I appreciate when people do put time into their I appreciate it when the album tells a story, mm-hmm. or the, the E.P. tells a story. Just I think it's something that is kind of missing
2: almost in today's like, music culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it, uh, like it, it makes me a little sad that it's not becoming more of a common thing again. Yeah it really like we really do live in a, an age of, of the single.
3: Yeah, uh, it's back and forth, right? There's a resurgence in final, so yeah, that's, uh, that, that whole that true. that's true. Yeah, that is true.
2: It for me, it, it like, I always like it get really excited when one of my favorite artists release a full length. Yeah, because I want to listen to it start to finish, and just get completely immersed in their creativity and their ideas. It's not as much fun when it's a single yeah my yeah
0: it's like whenever i'm looking for music i'm not looking for a song to listen to i'm looking for an album to listen to you know <laughs>
2: like <laughs> well, totally you know you're on a maybe a long drive and there's a you find out oh this artist just released this album sweet and you kind of just get put in this this interesting zone like that's one of the best things
0: yeah i definitely agree um was there anything about the recording process that maybe? Surprised you guys and you didn't expect
2: oh, lots, lots of stuff.
3: I didn't think we we're gonna use that many amplifiers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was so much fun. Yeah, once you <laughs> start getting into it, like I have a somewhat of a decent collection, so it was pretty funny, even though Public Lunch is, is a fairly sized studio.
2: It's it's a good size. We, a good size we brought
3: so much, th- so many different things. How
2: many how many guitar amps did we bring?
3: I think there was about mm-hmm. six, seven guitar amps I, that we used. I think it was oh, wow. seven. There was two main on the bed tracks, and then we just we did a lot of DIing between Vox AC30s, some yeah. Marshalls, like a little bit of everything, and then every song had its individual guitar as well.
2: Yeah, we had uh, how many guitars did you bring too?
3: I think there was about seven in total, just different. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. so yeah like it was so funny because we set up this wall of amplifiers and speaker cabinets and we're just like okay let's take our pick and we're like playing you know different guitar parts through different cabs and like choosing and that was so surprising because i don't know i just expect it to be very cut and dry you know record done yeah but especially um the same with the bass like when we we're recording bass we had about three different bass amplifiers same sort of thing trying different pedals and it was some. Um, it was surprising that like sometimes weird things like a weird microphone that was off in the side of the room that we were accidentally recording with while playing bass oh yeah through the it.
3: room mic for the bass yeah yeah
2: and all of a sudden we're like oh that's that is the shittiest sounding microphone yeah when we mix it in just a little bit it sounds really that's good magic <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that like those little moments yeah there was like there was a lot of like for there's me, also a
3: lot of learning like, too like tons um, of learning I think we we did one. We did everything off the floor. That's one of the things. But the other thing is, like, none of us really used a, a click track. So the first song we recorded, Sirens, we did off the floor without a click track. And after that, I was like, okay, let's try a click track just for fun. And then we ended up using the click track on everything. And it worked out fine. And me as a guitar player, I'm like, every guitar player you talk to is probably like, oh, I hate click tracks or this or whatever. Because they kind of, get you stuck on a system and you can't move away from the system. But I found it really nice when um it got to the point of overdubbing. Mm. Cuz we go in and out and then that's why it ended up being per song, per song basis. There was about maybe 20 different guitar tracks, that... something
2: like that. I yeah, now that you mention it. Like if we didn't use a click track, trying to create those thick like wall of sound like reverberated guitar sounds using all these different amplifiers um, would have been so difficult but because we used to click track and that was something I've never really seen before I mean you hear about it but actually seeing it was was really cool
3: yeah there because was a few moments where I just had to hold a single note for 2-3 minutes straight just to make noise
2: <laughs> yeah that was fun I, like, I learned a lot about my own voice singing wise you know and like because, you know, when recording, especially vocals, they're, they're typically isolated, so it, it's very intimate. And the feedback of how I sound is immediate. Like, oh, that sounds terrible. Okay, try it this way. Oh, that sounds terrible. Try it this way. Oh, that sounds better. Okay, let's move in that direction. So, like, there was just a lot of learning in terms of um, how to portray style and stuff like that as well. Like, if anybody's, you know, trying to figure out what their singing style is. Um, recording yourself has to be the best way. Especially when you're in a room with somebody else and they can say, (laughs) that doesn't sound that great.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, Because it goes back to, again, uh, we all think we sound differently in our heads. So to get what you really sound like, you definitely need that recording. Um, So are you guys very open to criticism then? Um, Like, do you deal with it? well or
3: oh we have to if you want to keep crowing we need to <laughs> <Yeah. right>? like, <laughs> yeah. like the worst thing that could happen is us do this doing. is for us to do this for the next five years and then finally ask somebody and be like hey what do you think is like oh your first record was good but the rest of them were kind of garbage
2: yeah 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 I, I try and take any feedback as seriously as possible you know some people might be like trying to insult you or whatever which luckily hasn't happened yet I don't think anybody's trying to bring you. Me. <laughs> That's right, not to my face. Not to your face. That's right. But uh, but I think it's really important to take any kind of feedback seriously.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, feedback's important. Like yeah. th- it's it it means that somebody's paying attention, right? Somebody's paying attention enough that they're willing to uh, tell you what they liked or didn't like about it. Mm-hmm. It's almost negative or positive feedback it just it means somebody's listening you know what i mean so yeah yeah not
2: enough is appreciated
0: yeah exactly
2: yeah.
0: totally <laughs> like even when somebody comes up to me and they're like oh yeah that podcast you did with so and so like i listened to it blah 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 i'm like holy crap somebody's listening <laughs> like <laughs> yeah,
2: that's awesome that's a yeah. good feeling
0: yeah it is a good feeling um do you guys ever find
3: it challenging at all only having three members hell yeah yeah uh, just maybe not even a month ago, maybe three weeks ago, we are talking about what kind of, it's again, with the topic of writing these songs, okay, so we we're writing this batch of eight, nine songs, what we have in our repertoire, like, what's the next progression of Heavy Dive, what do we want to make of Heavy Dive within in the next, for the next eight songs, and that's one big thing, it's like, do we need a second guitar player, do we need synth drum machines, or, again, with that, backup vocals. So, we have thought about that too. But again, it goes back to finding the right person, finding somebody who would jive with our schedules, or even jive with us personally,
2: right? Yep. And then not to mention, like, being a band that identifies as at least partially shoegaze, like shoegaze, post punk, a bit of post rock, um, our goal is to sound big, to try and create sounds that we've never really heard before. Some that we have heard before, but we want to try and make some sounds that we feel are kind of special to us. Well, at least
3: they feel new to us and we're not just regurgitating whatever we're listening to. (laughs) Totally,
2: exactly. So um, as a three-piece, like that's really tough because a lot of these bands that can achieve that wall of sound will have two guitar players. Um, That helps because you can do like really cool melodies and have chords with them, right? But when you have only one guitarist, that's the sound. So um, for a long time, we were really struggling with achieving that sound Until like (laughs) one day I was just messing around and I was like, okay, I'm going to see if I can try and make the bass sound like a keyboard. Um, Or a synth. Or a synth. Uh, It's not perfect, uh, but I actually, uh, there's a reason why, if you ever see us uh, play the show, there's a reason why I have this huge stack of amps behind me. Um, It's because I'm using two bass amplifiers because I literally split my signal. So we have one signal from the bass that sounds kind of like a synthesizer in a lot of reverb and really washed out and it provides that kind of synthy edge to the to the band. It's and like then, an underlayer of like low a, end. Like this bedding of just not noise but a musicality that you would maybe hear from a keyboardist in this kind of band. And uh and then the other amp is used for just, you know, a dry bass signal, like a driving bass. Uh, and because of that um as a bass player, I I try and actually play two members so we're (laughs) that's our way of trying to make it as a three-piece because it's really (laughs) tough to be a shoegaze band with only three people Mm -hmm. like to make that kind of large sound and i think we've achieved it using this it's definitely like i I carry a lot of stuff with me unfortunately but it seems to work really well in it and it gives in my opinion our music um a really unique presence yeah you know cool, like, I like it, I like it a lot, so that's cool. Yeah,
3: it sounds very different if it's not there, so yeah, I agree. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> really empty without it. <laughs> oh, that's the cool thing about uh, like
0: uh, today and the technology that we have today, you can do stuff like this, or you can uh, do stuff like a podcast, or mm-hmm. you can record music for way cheaper than you ever could have before in the past. It's as technology improves, like music becomes. More and more accessible to the masses, I think.
3: Oh, yeah. And also today, gear is much way cheaper than it was maybe 20 20 years ago. Oh, yeah, for sure. From just being able to record yourself. That's another thing. Our rehearsal space, everything's mic'd up, so ready to go. So we have an idea. We'll record three minutes of us noodling around, and then we can listen back on our days days off and kind of remember it. Yeah. Or let it stew or jam with it
2: yeah or even listen back immediately like that's that's such a nice thing about modern technology is we literally play something record it okay how did it sound press play okay okay this sounds neat keep going with it and then if we want to yeah we'll you know bounce the file and put on our google drive like cloud storage something that wasn't really available what 10 years ago
0: 10 years ago like
2: it's pretty new still yeah or at least it was fairly new 10 years ago and um and then all of us from our phones can listen to it, yeah, on our days off and think about, oh, okay, how does this part sound? What if I tried this? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, the technology gives such an edge for efficiency.
0: Yeah, definitely. It, it just, like, allows us to do things that were never possible in the past, which also, like, I don't know. I'm sure we've all been there where you have that idea and you lay it down and then the next day you forget it. Even though you tell yourself, you're like, I'm never going to forget that. It's up in the head. I mm-hmm. got this. And then next day, it's completely gone. You're like, oh, God. So, like, if you are recording everything like that, you don't forget those ideas, I guess.
2: <laughs> oh, totally. I mean, there's, there's times where we're working on something. And uh, you know what? Uh, there's a show coming up, and it's time to rehearse for the show. And so we got to put a new song we're working on on hold. And, you know, maybe two weeks pass by or maybe... Uh, there's a conflict in the schedule, so we can't meet, and that's extended even further. And, well, hey, we got this recordings there, you know.
3: Yeah, that's another thing. We try to rehearse at least once before a show. We don't want to be that band that just, oh, we'll wing it, right? Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, people are coming out all the way downtown. They're making the way to come all the way and then paying whatever the door fee is. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we want to give them a good show mm-hmm. to the best of our ability. Yeah. <laughs> cool
0: it's um, so a big winter classic let's talk about that a little bit sure um, is this the first time that you guys are playing the big winter classic yep huh? um, so yep. I guess what what's your guys' take on the big winter classic in general
3: well first of all it's an honor to be part of the festival I know we applied last year but I believe we didn't have any of our like EP out or anything and that that definitely hurts when you don't have music out there besides yeah. whatever demos you have and other than that I think it's it's pretty cool that somebody's doing a festival at in January right because it seems dead right but then if yeah. you have some and a lot that's the other thing it's like it's hard to bring people out in the middle of winter but then if you're bringing people out in the middle of winter and there's multiple shows that they can go to okay it's okay it's better it's more enticing
2: yeah I'm, uh, I'm really excited um, because this is our first time playing uh, big winter classic. Um, and I really admire, and, and they're not the only ones that do this, but the community that, uh, the folks behind big winter classic are really working on developing. Um, it's really cool to see just all these people who are passionate about music working together to do something like, yeah, throw a festival in the freeze it like the coldest month in Calgary, <laughs> like January, February are the worst months. So it's, a uh, it's really special. It's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it definitely gives you something to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
2: exactly. Well, I mean, because, yeah, you know, you're going to hit with that cold front in February. So yeah. at yeah. least you can say, well, there's big winter classic.
0: Yeah. And if you are, like, I, a lot of people aren't winter people, you know, so...
2: Myself included. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so, yeah, it's cool that uh, there is something that is in the winter that you can look forward to. Mm-hmm. I guess... um
2: what can audiences of Big Winter Classic expect from Heavy Dive? Uh, honestly, we're just, we're going to give it our all. Um, we're going to be really loud. Um,
3: we have free earplugs at our merch table. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's true. If you ever come to our sh- one of our shows, we give away free earplugs. Uh, because uh, we care about your ears. But our goal is to be... Um, move some air. Move some air, be the loud band. And... Uh, make you really feel the sound while you experience it.
3: You might hate it. You might like it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming out, guys.
2: Yeah. It's, uh, um, yeah, like a lot of our, like some of our songs could be fairly sad songs, but at the same time, like we're still having a ton of fun while we're up there. And for us, it's really about just, you know, we're just looking forward to engaging with the crowd a bit and kind of, um, Yeah hopefully leaving people with something memorable. Cool.
0: Uh, is there any is there any other bands that you're really looking forward to seeing at Big Winter Classic?
3: Well, I'm excited to see the Coat Hangers, which I missed, at SLED, maybe, was it two years ago that they played last time? It's one band I'm really excited about. Um, I haven't seen Shout Out for a while, which is Lyle Bell's project, besides The White Secrets. And see who else. There's also Sleepy Gonzales. They're a really good band from BC that we actually played with during our September tour in Abbotsford. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, they're awesome. You're going to want to check them out.
3: They're really dreamy. And yeah, I'm glad they made it because I was like, yeah, you guys need to make it to Calgary. Either check out Big Winter Classic or Sled Island, which is funny because when I tell them all about Sled Island, they did not even know what Sled Island was. That's one of the funny things that I found out is a lot of people... Even if it's just a province away, I don't even know what Sled Island is either. Yeah.
2: Uh, so I'm, I'm glad they applied for Big Winter Classic because uh, they're they're really fun. One band, uh, like, like I really want to see Shannon and the Clams. Uh, I've never seen them yet. So I'm looking forward to that. And the Courtney's, I'm also looking forward to seeing them. They're, they were originally from Calgary, right? The Courtney's? I thought they were. I don't, I don't know. I think so. Um, and of course, I'm looking forward to seeing like some of our fellow Calgary bands. There's a lot on the list. Some
3: glaciers. there. Um, the other band, um, Gone Cosmic, I want to check them out, which has members of uh, Crown Goblin, so love to check them out if I get a chance.
0: Yeah. Uh,
2: I'm, there's so many. There's, there's so <laughs> many good bands. I'm well, just going to go and enjoy it all. It's, with this yeah. type of it's fest- hard to remember all of them.
3: With this type of festival, I feel like it's one of those festivals where you pick one band, go check them out. It doesn't even matter if you get to check out like you you can't be greedy with these festivals. You can't be like, "Hey, I'm going to be at the beginning of the show and at the end of the show." Kind of like check whatever, check 15 minutes of the show and then go see if you can find another another band playing at some time. It's all about discovery at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think I feel like that's what music festivals are good for, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's it's sampling. It's sampling and uh you don't want to be too uh, rigid with your schedule because if you are, then you might miss out on your next new favorite band or whatever, you know, like the amount of music that I've discovered purely from music festivals and going Mm -hmm. to music festivals is unreal. Mm -hmm. Like that's the good thing about music festivals really. Totally. So so yeah. Um, So you guys said that you've done a little touring. Um, I guess what, what is it like putting together kind of a tour or playing in other cities? like that
3: well it's a uh, it's the it's worst a... job interview ever <laughs> <laughs> essentially it's a lot of work you yeah. send an email out and then
2: you don't get a response for a couple of weeks so well you know uh it's just one of those things it's about um trying to communicate with people over the internet and that can be difficult because especially in the music industry everybody's getting tons of emails yeah um so it can be difficult to make contact and to organize things and sometimes dates don't work out um however i've actually found uh when i was contacting a lot of bands in bc to try and organize a tour um a lot of bands were really respectful and responded quickly if they could or couldn't do it and um I gotta say like that's a common courtesy that i really appreciate because like it's and any band who's gone on tour knows it's it's tough it takes a lot of time more time than most people realize yeah um it's it's almost a full-time job you know um
3: a lot of these shows we had to contact the venues five six months in advance
2: yeah sometimes three months really depends uh, but when actually going out and doing it, once everything was put in place, it was actually a ton of fun. And not to mention, uh, driving through the mountains in September. I mean, yeah. You know, just being goofs, going to guitar stores, uh, which we did a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: to our drummers' dismay. Yeah, to our drummers' dismay, for sure. Um, poor Santy,
2: You know, um, performing at a different place every night which is a lot of fun our tour was rather short yeah Uh, and we intentionally kept it short because we uh we do have day jobs that we have to go back to yeah but um i actually liked the brevity of it like how it was just show after show after show done
3: it was nice there was no anticipation for the show it was just like okay
2: we're playing here and then we're playing there all right we got to drive to abbotsford okay let's go you know and that was our Oh, we got to take the ferry to Victoria. All right. got to make sure we're here at this time. But it, there wasn't a lot of waiting around. Um, no, it's go, go, go. And that was, that was definitely a fun part of it. Um, it was also f- like fun going through the motions because performing so many times in a row, you really kind of get in this rhythm where, you know, by the third or fourth show, like you, like, you know exactly where you are, what you're going to, how you're going to hit that certain note or whatever. And you feel, I don't know, for me, I felt more inclined to improvise because I was more comfortable.
3: Yeah. I feel the same way. There's, and then again, there's
2: good shows, there's bad shows, there's weird shows. Of course, you're always going to have weird shows. But like, it was still a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. I feel like there might be a story there. Like,
3: a Oh, yeah. Show. There was, <laughs> yes, there was. There's, I'm not even going to name the place the location where we're playing a show and we are supposed to play. I And the guy who, right before we go on stage, the guy's like, yeah, so um, we're going to, can you guys cut your set to like 20 minutes? And we're like, we have like a 35 minute set. We drove all well the way from Calgary. Like, can we play a little bit longer? And he's like, okay, sure. And then we're about to go and he comes back. He's like, nope, we're playing 20 minutes. And I'm like, awesome. <laughs> screw this. And I'm like, okay, screw this. We're just going to, so we're just like, okay, we're going to have fun. And I decided... We have a fog machine that we use all the time. And I decided to just fumigate the plate. <laughs> so, it was good and bad just because I was like, okay, screw everything. Let's make sure everybody has fun. But at the same time, while I'm playing, I'm like, I can barely see any of my pedals. And actually, on the board, I, I had could... like... Maybe I have like 12 or 13 pedals I'm using. You know, my only saving grace is that some of them have really shining bright, uh, light, shining bright lights. So if I like kind of angled my head one way I could see what I am pre- what I was pressing.
2: <laughs> so it was a fun show. It was one of those shows that was like, okay, cool. It was like, it was so foggy. It was so smoked out that our drummer said he had a hard time seeing where he was hitting on his drum set. <laughs> and I, myself too. Like there were times where I was taking a blind guess at what pedal I'm hitting. Like, I think this is the right one.
3: Yeah, yeah. And I had that guitar. I usually have two guitars on stage because I used to different tunings, So I have one on the side. And then, I think this stage was made out of like, the most made out of the most wet plywood. It was just so soggy. Anyways, now now this is painting a picture of where we were anyways. My guitar literally like slides underneath me and I'm literally like riding my guitar like a skateboard half the time when we were on stage. <laughs> I didn't know that happened because I couldn't see it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So we made the best out of it. It was a great show at the end of the day. Yeah, it
2: was fun, but <laughs> yeah.
3: So yeah, number one thing is you're going to be dealing with like a very different people all the time yeah you'll have all kinds of personalities Yeah, have great speaks. shows bad shows you might have somebody who you thought it was like this guy seems really grumpy to have us and then it turns out he loved us at, by the end of the show it's like
2: yeah that's happened before yeah. Yeah. No, the sound person doesn't like us oh they actually do oh no they do care <laughs> what
3: I could have played a little louder oh okay. why didn't you tell me this halfway
2: yeah and uh like one of the venues we played we actually played in Kelowna um and that was just a show that worked out last minute. Like like two weeks prior. Like two weeks prior to the tour, I was like, hey, we could play there on a Wednesday. Why not? We were going to stay in Kelowna anyway. Uh, we played at um, um, Milk Crate Records. Um, so if you're in Kelowna, check out Milk Crate Records because it's a really awesome. Huge selection. I, I don't want to say Little Shop because it's actually a pretty big record store. Um, the staff there were just great. and uh, um,
3: You also had their liquor license, so even though you're playing at a record store they're still yeah. beers
2: so and so. uh yeah they like they had a stage there and you know they had band like they had us playing there right. and we were playing with another uh project called glendale avenue and uh, they were awesome and although it was a wednesday show um yeah if you're ever in Kelowna, check out the record store because um the folks there are just they're really sweet
3: We'll come
2: by again definitely. yeah and after our show it was one of those ones where we thought oh maybe we're too loud for this venue and afterwards no, the you know the, the store owner comes up to us and he's saying oh yeah really enjoyed it. you guys could have even been louder <laughs> fuck <laughs> and then he continued
3: to invite us hey do you want to play our pre breakout west party which was like two weeks away oh, and it was that like that would have been so much fun but it, it would have been fun, but seven hour drive yeah back so it's like nah.
2: yeah so if you're ever in Kelowna milk crate records
3: cool. <laughs> cool
0: uh do you guys have a personal favorite show that you have played in the past
2: I have a lot. I have a lot of favorite shows. Her. Um, I have two that come to mind right now. One, do you have any of that stand out to you? In particular? Well, I got
3: two. Uh, one was when we played sled. We, uh, this year, yeah, that's we one, played one, at two. McHugh house and it wasn't just cause we were playing, like we played sled or it was just, we we're playing such a cool venue. First of all, an yeah. all ages venue, which I feel like Calgary is really hurting for. And, Again, shout out to Major Minor. Graham there is doing a great job. And anytime he wants us to play, we're always willing to play. It's all—it's super fun. Like, who wouldn't want to play at a super, uh, bowling alley, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, no, you know, just being part of the community. It's like, it's cool. And also being able to meet all these bands from all over the country, maybe yeah. uh, the world. And the second one would be um, the show we played with Earthless. Because that was kind of like a we that was a cool show because we're not necessarily a psych band and it was cool that we were asked to play that show and i'm a huge fan of earthless so
2: yeah that's one of two yeah the earthless show was it was unreal (laughs) a lot to learn from those guys (laughs) um another one that comes to mind is when we played the roxy cabaret in vancouver i really liked that one um because we played with um we played with two really great bands uh we played with uh a project called um The name of the artist is Matthew Presidente, and he's super talented, really awesome. We also played with another shoegaze project that I'm actually, I just received uh, a vinyl of theirs in the mail. Uh, The band's called Palm Haze. And uh, it was just a sweet venue, great, knowledgeable people, nice crowd, and it was really cool to meet these other projects. um,
3: In person. In person. For example, Palm Haze uh, is a band we kind of, been looking at since we started because they kinda started around the same time through Instagram stories and we'd like just been following each other. Everybody all the people in that band are really cool. They're all actually all from Brazil. They I think they moved to Canada like maybe two years ago, three years ago, a couple years ago. Something like that. No, that was and it was just really cool that it was one of it was also one of those bands where I told I told I told the band I'm like, hey I wanna play with these guys when we play Vancouver. I don't know how we're gonna make it and they were the first band I was like, Yeah, we're in. Yeah they were like essentially the first band we had
2: on the list. Yeah, and um, so that was just, just because I, like, I really admire that project. That's also on my list because, again, great venue, great bands, making great friends, in a different city. You know, so that being part of that little tour that was uh, definitely a really memorable one for me.
3: And on a side note, another venue I wanted to say it was, a lot of shows we played at Night Owl because I feel now that it's gone, it's it sucks. But Night Owl was. Where we played our first show and we played a lot of song, uh, a lot of shows thanks to Sebastian there when he was booking, because it's just one of those things where you can any band can go there, try out their set and grow. Hmm. So yeah,
2: a lot of good memories at
0: Night Owl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely unfortunate that Night Owl is no yeah. longer. That was a that was a killer venue for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot of good shows at Night Owl. Yeah,
3: and. The community center field. I think Broken City started doing shows on Fridays now, so that that helps. Because before they were only doing the Thursdays, so Fridays is nice. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's really cool to see um to see venues like Broken City really just getting more into rock and roll shows, the live music. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I I guess what's your what's your guys' take on uh, the Calgary music community?
3: It's very varied. Like we have a lot of different artists, so I think it's it's in a healthy state. We have every kind of band you want, really, and we have venues that suit all those different genres. And again, venues that are multi-genre, right? Like the Palo and Mino can suit power pop bands, punk bands, shoegaze bands,
2: psychedelic bands. So for,
3: I think it's doing pretty good, in my opinion.
2: For me, like. I think we have a lot of really good and talented people in the community. Um, what I'm looking forward to is kind of seeing what's going to happen over the next couple of years. Now that East village is developing even more with the national music center there. And now that we have um, that new beautiful library and just as the city keeps growing, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, where this community kind of takes it because my hope is that it just grows and becomes a lot bigger than it is. I know a lot of musicians probably say that, but um, we have a lot of really good, smart people who are leading the charge. And, um, yeah, I just hope that like it's in a good state, but I'm hoping that it becomes even better because I think there's a lot of potential there. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would hate for it to be wasted potential.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's, It's one of the things that really surprised me when I started doing this podcast and stuff is starting to interview more and more musicians in the Calgary music scene is just the amount of like like real talent that there is. And it's like in every genre too, you know, you have your talented punk rockers, hip hop artists, electronic music, like all of it, just across everything. There's so much talent in this city. Yeah. And I think it's like a very underrated city for music.
2: Yeah. It's it's incredibly varied. Yeah. Like there's there's just some unbelievable like work being done in the city and it should be it should be seen by more people.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree because like the people who are in the music scene are passionate about the music mm-hmm. and that's like one of the most important things. They're not like I'm sure there is a financial motivation just like there is behind everything, but it's it's there has more to be, for exactly work, right? Exactly. There has to be that financial motivation. But at the end of the day, it's about the music. And I feel like I do see that in a lot of the people who are in the music scene, which is just it's very refreshing to see, in my opinion. Do you guys ever find it difficult balancing your work life or personal lives with band life? Hell yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I would... Well, me says,
2: says the guy who just moved to Airdrie.
3: <laughs> hey, you know, gotta find some affordable housing somewhere. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I, would, I have a day job. I also run a small company that builds guitar pedals, okay. Hungry Facts, and the band, and that all every single thing is a full time job. Yeah. And I, I barely have time for anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was literally before I got here, I delivered a guitar I was working on, and then delivered an organ to somebody else so it's like always on the go always moving
2: <laughs> i i find um it can be challenging but we're really good at talking with each other and getting back to each other really quickly so like if for some reason there's like a schedule conflict which doesn't happen very often it's pretty easy to talk with each other um or if like a, a day opens up so for me i don't find it to be too difficult but it's really because i we Communicate well if, if there was a band member that just didn't respond to texts for days. Um, that would drive me crazy,
3: <laughs> yeah. Nobody goes and gets lost for a couple days, in yeah, exactly. Room.
2: Like everybody shows up on time, you know. Um, we all take it equally seriously, so um, it could be a lot more difficult. And I've heard some horror stories from people where they're, you know, you know, ex member is just awful for showing up on time or whatever doesn't yeah. practice or whatever it may be and yeah i'm just really fortunate that i'm working with these two guys who take it just as seriously as i do so with day jobs yeah you make it work we have a schedule that fits all of our schedules so
0: cool yeah i mean if you're passionate about it you're gonna make time for it right so mm-hmm. um so i guess uh where do you guys see heavy dive in like a year to two years or something like that what's what does the future hold
3: for heavy dive? Let's be conservative on this one.) <laughs> uh... <laughs> no we're not going to take we're not going to be in the next oasis. Um, I think where we well where I see the band is doing a, a tour on the west coast, hitting all the major cities in that area, east Coast East Coast, yeah, East Coast. sorry long day and releasing another EP or full length that I'm proud of and then two three years I would love to do something in Europe that's about it not again trying to get rich and famous out of this
2: for me it's just um heavy dive in a year what I just see is like already in one year I feel like we really accomplished a lot because we we work really hard um you know, I'm, I'm really proud of what we've done in the last year. So if I were to kind of base it off that, I would think, yeah, probably another EP or LP or something like that. But more importantly, like I th- I'm really proud of what we've done so far with our first EP. I'm like couldn't be happier with it. But I think just from the like just from the mere fact that we meet so frequently and none of us are in any other projects. This is our main focus um, I really think the next album will be even, even better in the sense of it'll take in. Well, I feel like we'll have a really strong. Vision we're gonna for take where what we go.
3: We're gonna take what we learned from the last one and.
2: Yeah, exactly. Thank you. That's what I was trying to say. Like because we learned so much from the last one, I think this one's gonna be a lot tighter. But Ari just seeing us creating new songs, um, that will go on the next record. I, I can just already see the growth of the band and the growth of the sound, and that's what I'm really excited for is, I think in the next year, we're gonna see that um, the band's sound is gonna be just, again, not redefined, but just more defined. Um, along with, yeah, I'm, we're hoping to do an East Coast tour. Uh, and, um, yeah. That's another story. Who knows what else? <laughs> Cool. Maybe play with more cool bands. <laughs> you know? We've been pretty lucky.
0: Nice. Do you guys have like a dream band that you would want to play
3: with?
2: Hmm.
3: There's too many to the list. <laughs> okay, are we talking about bands that would actually come to Calgary or just anyth- anyone?
0: Your absolute like dream fantasy band to play with. Dead
3: or Alive? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Ideas?
3: yeah I wouldn't mind seeing a show where I can see uh, um, Oliver from a place of very strangers throw guitars around and like
2: oh that'd be awesome and see him smash <laughs>
3: guitars all over the place that'd be pretty cool
2: almost any band played on DKFM <laughs> to want to play with yeah you know what I mean like the oh, list is so big there's
3: also um preoccupations I'd love to play a show with those guys
2: yeah preoccupations would be amazing
3: Mets would also be really cool. Play, get a chance to play with should play Bink Winter Classic last year. <laughs>
2: like for example, it'd be amazing to play with a band like Nothing. Nothing, yeah. Or, or Def Heaven. Def Heaven, yeah. Dive.
3: Yeah, Def Heaven just got nominated for a Grammy.
2: Oh what? I didn't know that. That's how <laughs> out of the loop I am. Yeah. <laughs> um Dead Soft.
3: Yeah, that'd be cool too.
2: Right? I would really like to play with Dilly Dally. They're more on that like grungy side, but
3: I think, yeah, I'm coming to Calgary, yeah, start sending some emails out, <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, that's regardless, I'm, I'm gonna go to that show, it's gonna be a lot of fun, yeah. <laughs> cool, yeah. Like, although they're a lot lighter than us, I would love to play uh, an open for always. Oh, cool. That'd be such a cool band to play for,
0: awesome, yeah. Um, so. What what would you say to somebody who maybe isn't aware of the Big Winter Classic um, to try and convince them that they should come to Big Winter Classic?
2: Okay. Um, I guess I would just say, do you like live music? If they say no to that, then I'm not going to talk with them. I
3: get... No, I think the biggest thing is if you don't even if you don't come to live shows hey you want to know what's going on because a lot of people are kind of deaf to the idea of live music mm-hmm. hey come to this one show and you're going to hear about three four different bands that you've never heard of before
2: mm-hmm. I, though honestly like all jokes aside i think i would just show them a picture of like some of the balcony shots from last year
1: yeah you know what yeah, i mean yeah, like yeah
2: just show them a picture and they'll be like oh this is this is really cool yeah this is happening like i i think that says a ton yeah,
3: I got to agree with that.
2: Yeah, but if I had to tell them, I would just be... Yeah, you're going to see a lot of amazing bands from Calgary and not from Calgary um, in places that you weren't expecting to see them um, at a pretty affordable price in a time of year where there's not really much to do.
3: Besides go to a club or drink. <laughs> but, and you're probably spending but more money then, there. Like,
2: who wants to stand outside a club? Yeah. Okay, maybe yeah, that's just me. No. <laughs> I've never been a club guy. Yeah. But just
3: come out and support the music scene yeah and
2: and that too like it's it's really really important to support all these passionate Calgary musicians as well as these people who somehow got to Calgary during this time of year like some of these bands are from Vancouver I don't know how they're gonna get here I'm assuming they're gonna fly because they can't drive through the mountains Uh, I don't know in January it's it's dangerous it's really dangerous and if they do if you're from Vancouver and you drive to Calgary in January my hat's off to you because that's terrifying (laughs) yeah um so like there's there's a lot of people putting in a lot of work whether it's volunteering or the the bands themselves uh to make this thing a reality and i think it's worth supporting that
0: yeah i definitely i definitely agree we should be supporting the local talent that we have in the city because it's amazing and it's the only way that it's going to continue you know like get out there support local you can pay 10 bucks and go to a local show see three four bands in a night it's like where out like you're not going to
2: get that anywhere else Like, right? and, and you, you know what like the thing is i guess for the like the person who doesn't go to live shows but thinks oh maybe there is music in the city that i could be interested in like ask yourself you know what are the niche genres that you really enjoy and start following some venues that have live music because you never know when they're going to post a band that's in that genre that you i like now the only thing i guess would be how do you find out for example if you really like dream pop and you don't know any dream pop bands in calgary how do you figure out that there's dream pops in, bands in calgary
3: it's a little thing called google
2: <laughs> yeah okay good point so if you know your niche genre you should really just pull, pull out google and Bandcamp, uh, as well as facebook are going to give you the answer
3: or thing that could happen then my <laughs> not be a band anymore because you didn't go support them.
2: (laughs) That's actually happened where we were trying to find a band for a tour and there was this one band we found in Kelowna. They were based in Kelowna and they were, they sounded awesome. I don't remember their name off the top of my head but I was like, we got to play with these guys and I send them a a message. Nothing. Radio silence. I send them an email. I look at their social media. They haven't posted in two years and I think to myself, shit. (laughs) Another awesome band that went to the wayside. Um, and they probably formed other projects but yeah. you know it's really it's really sad when that happens so if you have a genre that you really like or you're really digging lately you never you'll be really surprised with what you find in the city mm-hmm. and that fits in that genre
0: the the local band that you support is going to appreciate it so much more than mm-hmm. the international act that you know like not saying that that person wants uh, appreciate it as well but the local band is going to appreciate it's going to have so much more of an impact yeah on the local band yeah you giving them your $10 your $20 or yeah. whatever but, it is but even
2: but even just seeing you there, like oh I don't recognize that face yeah because like that's like with some of these shows like sometimes you can you can recognize people that have come to your shows a couple times mm-hmm. and when you see a crowd of new faces it's really exciting oh sweet I get to share something with people I've never met before
3: yeah and don't be afraid to come up to the artists too. They're all people. I think that's a big thing. It's uh, as music fans, we think performers are under this piece of glass that you can't really reach, right? Everybody's human.
0: Yeah, and it's, honestly, it's one of the things that. Uh uh, when I started this podcast, there's one of the things I had to get over was contacting bands in Calgary. Yeah. And like, really, they would come over and I'd be all nervous. And I'd be like, these people, they're so much
3: cooler than me. They're in a band. <laughs> and that's they, the like, intimidation music. factor, right? Yeah, that's a, that's yeah. another thing why people don't come to shows. I feel like, oh, the Palomino, it's like, oh, there's a bunch of like local bands that there's, I'm, it's, it's kind of intimidating for an outsider, right? But yeah. at the end of the day everybody I, I've talked to has been very embracing. Yeah. It's just a matter of saying, hey, how's it going? My name's this and I really like the sound and then they ask who you, what your name is and the next show that you guys see each other, hey, man, how's it going? Are you going to have a beer? You no, know, that's how friendship starts. But I yeah. feel like the first step is very intimidating.
2: Yeah. More, I yeah. I, I try really hard to learn people's names. Um, even if somebody coming up saying, you know, like, hey, I want to buy a t-shirt or, hey, I really like the, the you know, what you guys did up there I try really hard to learn the name even though I'll probably forget because you know there's only so many names you can remember Um, but I just feel like it's really important um, to try and tear down that wall like like I'm just a person Mm -hmm. you know Juan you're just a person like we're people that like to make things really and that thing that we like to make is music and that goes for all artists it's about finding a common a common thing yes (laughs) like you wouldn't be intimidated to meet somebody who you know is a, a fine woodworker Who makes amazing woodworking masterpieces i mean it depends i guess some people might be intimidated by that but but the fact is they're a person who are excellent at their craft and you can approach and talk to them and like a musician's no different
1: yeah Mm
0: -hmm.
2: you know like
0: yeah like a lot of the a lot of the musicians i've met Uh, nine out of ten of them struggle from social anxiety or whatever. You know what I mean? They're all just people. They're all just people exactly like you, dealing with their own problems, going Mm -hmm. through it. They just happen to also do this cool art thing that you really respect. That is
3: probably the output for their Their, anxiety or... Guilty. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
0: Like, most, I think most musicians, that's what that is. It's their outlet, you know? You need that outlet, like...
3: Yeah, I, I can attest to that. It's easier for me personally to talk to somebody about a pedal they're using than coming up to them and being like, hey, man, my, my name is Juan. What's your name, right? <laughs> they're like, oh, nice uh, tube screamer there, I mean, whatnot.
2: I still get intimidated by bands. Like, I, I get it. Yeah. I when we played for Earthless, I was, like, a little intimidated because cause they're an amazing band, you know? Yeah. But, like, at the end of the day, yeah, we're all people.
0: Yeah every single podcast i do every single podcast i still do i'm still nervous before the band shows up (laughs) what is their mo what are these guys all about yeah i
2: get get it it's like it's it's often just nervous meeting new people sometimes yeah just period yeah
0: exactly um so i guess is there just any final things that you would like to kind of throw out there before we close this out
3: Don't come see us at Big Winner Classic. What about you come see every single band at Big Winter Classic? That's
2: totally. Like thing. We hope to see you there, but like, um, come out, you're gonna have a blast. Doesn't matter if you see us or not. You're gonna have a lot of fun. So
0: Cool. Well, thank you very much for being on the podcast, guys. Um, I'll have all links to your guys' social media, band camp, stuff like that in the episode notes so that if people do wanna, you know, Uh, check out your music and get in touch with you. They can do that. Um, But yeah, thanks for taking the time out of your day to talk with me. Thank you for having me. liked this episode of the podcast why not leave a review you can find us on itunes stitcher and google play for up-to-date information on the podcast follow us on facebook and twitter you can find us at froggy style productions that's frog the letter e style productions for more ways to support the show visit fsproductions.ca